Well, as, as I said when I came in, I'm glad that you all are still here, that you all did still come. The Word of God is a wonderful, a glorious thing to be helped to hear, but sometimes I'm just not sure, or just not comfortable with me being the one to do it. But I will trust, or I trust the Lord will give us a time that is encouraging, uplifting, and where needed, convicting, correcting. I wish it were so that as we grow in our time with the Lord, there'd be less and less of us to be corrected. But I find in my case, Correction just as much needful now as it was 20 years ago. Might be different things to be corrected, but there's still things that need to be corrected. It's, the list never seems to end. But I am thankful. I am encouraged by this opportunity to be here with you. And I do trust that your pastor's wife will be given safe travel and the Lord will quickly strengthen and raise up Brother Mark and his family as they're dealing with this virus that just does not seem to want to go away. But I don't believe that the Lord is unaware of what's going on. I do not believe that he is asleep. And I do not believe that this last two years has been in vain or there's no purpose. I am quite concerned this morning about the issues and things going on in in Russia and Ukraine. I'm not a historian, but from what history I do understand, this kind of looks like the 1930s again in Europe. And the Lord had his place in that. The Lord had his purpose in that. The Lord had his purpose in what's going on now. So again, let us not be discouraged or downhearted or fearful. Our God is on the throne. He is well aware of all that's going on. He has known us from before the foundation of the world. He purposes us to be his he purposed us to be here this morning and what the Lord purposes will come to pass so with that we need to be of good courage there's nothing to be despondent about open your Bibles if you would this morning to the book of Ephesians the second chapter I'd like for us to read the first five verses, but we'll be concerning ourselves primarily with verses four and five. But before we go to our readings, go again to the Lord in the word of prayer. Our Father, this is a day that you have made. May we truly rejoice and be glad in it. May we rejoice in your great salvation. Rejoice in your mercy and your grace. 
Rejoice in your great salvation. Rejoice, Father, in all that which you purpose to give, all that which you have given, and all that which, Father, you have purposed not to give. You who know the end from the beginning, you who know what we need better than we, shall always provide that which is needful. We pray, Father, a blessing upon this congregation, this pastor, that you'll watch over him and his wife as they are traveling, that they might come back rested and once again encouraged and uplifted to carry on the work that you've given them here. But now as we meet together, may we be encouraged and uplifted in your word for Christ's sake Amen again Ephesians chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 down to it including verse 5 and you have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God who is rich in his mercy rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins have quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved the apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians reminds them of a few things he reminds them of their sinfulness he reminds them of their disobedience. He tells them in verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, filling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. I'm afraid sometimes that we that have been believers for some time begin to think that we're a little better than everyone else. We think that we're drastically different from everyone else. We think that other people ought to look to us for an example. But in reality, we're just like them. We have the same lusts, same desires, the same fears, the same ideas. What makes the difference is not us. What makes the difference is our God. The word but I do not usually care for. I may have mentioned this to you before. 
I worry when I talk to someone and I say, this is what the scripture says. And they tell me, yeah, but. Buts always make a little nervous. But the but in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2 is a good one. It's one that we need to really relish in. We need to really praise God for. Knowing what we were. The fact that God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. We weren't lovely. We didn't love God. We weren't his friends. We didn't desire to be with him naturally. Anyone that says they came in, came from the womb and always desired to be with God. I'm afraid he's a liar. Because we just don't. It is God that maketh us to differ. It is, it is God that makes church members differ one from another. It is God that makes his people differ from the rest of the world. It is of God. It is based in his mercy and his great love that he had towards us. Then Paul recaps verse 3 and verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins have quickened us together with Christ. See, the state of those in verse 3 are dead. We were dead in our trespassing sins and our lusts and our desires. But it was the mercy and the grace of God that saved us. And I want to, for a bit, consider the mercy of God. That will be primarily our topic for this morning. The mercy of God. I'm afraid that I would be naturally very hesitant, if at all, to show mercy upon a person or upon a people that cared nothing for me. A people that I gave life to. I give the sun, the rain, stars, the seasons. I give them a world in which there's great opportunity for them to grow, to enjoy the pleasure of the earth. And all I ask is to honor and to obey me. I am the creator if I had that in myself I'm not sure he's very merciful I'd be very likely leaning towards more of a vengeful spirit 
towards them. You know, the wrath of God is spoken of quite often in the scriptures. And there's a wrath of God. There's wrath in God. God is not always pleasant. He's not always peaceful. He is a God of wrath. He has a wrath that's one day going to be poured out on all the people of the earth that have refused to obey the gospel and to believe upon his son. And if it were not for him, that'd be all of us. But God is merciful. If you would, in your Bibles, look at the book of Titus, chapter 3 and verse 5. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, or by the washing of regeneration, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Paul told the Ephesians, by grace are you saved. Paul told Titus, it is not by works of righteousness which any one of us has ever done, but according to his mercy. God has mercy to save. God is merciful to save. If it were not for God's mercy, there'd be none of us able to stand here this morning. We wouldn't even want to be here this morning. God's mercy. And the more we see ourselves as the vile, wicked creatures that we are, the more precious the mercy of God to become. It's a sad thing to begin to think that we're, a little, we're so good that God needed us. We needed God's mercy. We need God's mercy every single day, every moment of the day. How often do you sit down at the end of the day and think, why did I make that comment that I made earlier today? Why did I think that thought that I thought earlier today? Why was I so quick to get angry? Why was I so slack in my service today. We need God's mercy. Because we are yet a pitiful creature. We are yet a creature of no strength. The book of Psalms speaks much of God's mercy. In the 106th Psalm, Psalms 106 and verse 1. Praise you the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. 
Give thanks unto the Lord. For number one, he's good. And in his goodness, his mercy endureth forever. It shall not end. There won't come a time when the vessel in which God's mercy is contained will ever run dry. It will for every day, day in and day out, be full of mercy. In the 118th Psalm, Psalm 118, looking at verses 1 through 4, and also verse 29. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endure forever that Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever that the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever let them now say that fear the Lord or let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever let us say here this morning either out loud or to ourselves his mercy endureth forever. If it were not for God's enduring mercy, we would be without hope. Because surely, from the day that we were saved to this day, we have committed sufficient sin that if it were not for God's mercy, could very easily say enough I've had enough my patience has run out away with all of them but he did not he does not his mercy, mercy endureth forever the 29th verse of the same psalm thou art my God and I will praise thee Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I read verse 8 as a second thought, because I like the way the writer says here, Thou art my God. And I will praise thee. Do you think of God as your God as the God of every, everybody else? You know, we have a true, personal, individual relationship with God. We have a similar relationship, we have the same Savior. But God deals with each and every one of us differently. According to, our, according to our bent, but primarily according to his mercy. According to what he wants to provide and to give. He gives gifts to one of one sort and gives a gift of another sort to another. God is personal. 
God chose every single one of us, not in a heap, but one by one. I went to an auction several years ago, and there were a couple of boxes, and we had no idea what was in the boxes. And we had to bid on those boxes, not knowing what was in them. I bid on one, and I, was, I successfully bid. Had no idea what was in it. But when I got in it and looked in, there were things I enjoyed. They were not rags and paper. There were magazines and a few things that I truly enjoyed. I was glad to have them. God did not choose us in a lot. He chose us individually, personally. And we ought personally, always, to remember the mercy and the grace of God, which is the source of our salvation. By grace are you saved. By favor that God chose to give you are you saved. Going back to our text, Ephesians chapter 2. The next thing I want us to note is the great love of God. God's mercy and God's love. And it's not just a love, it's a great love. It's an abounding love. It is a love like his mercy that endureth forever. The great love of God is without measure. You cannot constrain, you cannot measure, you cannot place value on the love of God because there is nothing on this earth that will ever surpass or outdo or outshine the love of God is a great love and in that love or out of that love is our God's mercy bestowed upon us. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, we had no desire nor any ability to love God. But yet because of his love and because of his mercy, he both had mercy he both loves and has mercy. In 1 John, the third chapter, in the first verse, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. 
But why do we know him? Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Your love began from the top down. Love began with God, not with us. We love him because he first loved us. In the fourth chapter of the book of fourth of first John, first John chapter four, verses seven through eleven. Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not. He that loveth not God. Let me read that again. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. And I believe that verse flies in the face of what the world calls love today. God is love. Love is of God. I'm afraid the love that the world has today is selfish, self-consuming, and self-serving. Give me what I want. Give me what I need. Give me what I desire. And I will love you. No, God is not quite that way. Verse 9, it goes on. In this was manifest the love of God towards us. Because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. The people of faith, the people of God, those of us that have benefited from God's love and his mercy, ought to naturally want to be loving. But that's not necessarily the case. Too often, brothers and sisters in Christ are not very loving one towards another. I've never experienced that from tabernacle. I've always felt a love and a compassion and a concern. But I'm afraid in this world, in this the nation that we live in, brothers and sisters in Christ are not always loving one to another. We like to build walls and division. We like to make differences. You know, differences aren't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, differences are a good thing when dealt with or handled properly. 
we, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. People of God should be the most loving people in the world. The most forgiving people in the world. The most merciful people in the world. Should be those of us that have experienced God's love and God's mercy. God's compassion. God's forgiveness. God's forbearance. But we're not that way. It's sad. It is sad that the love among God's people can be so often very sparse, to say the least. But because of God's love for us, He made us alive. Those of us who were dead and trespassed in sin. And our sins were all against him. All the sins that we've committed have been against God. Like David said, against thee, thee alone have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Our sins are against God. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, decided to follow the behest and the leadings and the connivings of the serpent. It was God they disobeyed. We've all fallen in suit. Sinning against God, ignoring Defying his commandments, his laws, his way. And yet, he still saved us. When we were dead in trespassing sins, he made us alive. Which means we were not alive. Until that time that we were born from above. Until that time that God sent forth the Spirit unto us and gave us life. Not the life of the flesh, because that was still existing in different ages, but we're all still alive physically. But there was a necessity of a new birth. That's what Christ told Nicodemus. You must be born again. You must be born from above. Natural birth, natural life is not going to get you what you need. You need to be born again. You need to be made alive. The life that began at your conception will carry you only until your death. And once it's gone, that's it. But when we are born from above, 
the life that we live in, through, and by the gracious love of God would have no end. Now what brought all of this together Verse 5, Ephesians chapter 2. Even when we were dead in sins, it quickened us together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. We have what we have in Christ. We have what we have because of Christ. Because Christ offered himself on the cross at Calvary. Made us suitable subjects for God's mercy and grace and God's salvation. Were we not for the the death of Christ. We would not have anyone. Who could stand before God on our behalf. And secure our redemption to secure our salvation to be our propitiation to be the one that creates peace between us and God together with Christ we can never fully understand all we have in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your your flesh, with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, With Christ, in Christ, through Christ, are all of our sins and transgressions forgiven. They're blotted out. They no longer hang over our head. Through Christ. close, just look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want us to read verses 16 through 23. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 through 23. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their heart and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Now where remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holiest of the holiest by the blood of Jesus 
by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled with it from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised God promised he is faithful God loved he is faithful God has mercy he is faithful we're fickle we're wishy-washy we're on again we're off again but God is always faithful he's faithful in his mercy he's faithful in his love God is faithful the mercies of God cannot be exhausted but let us not trample on the mercies of God and ever say well he's merciful I can do whatever I want to that is not quite going to cut the mustard if we recognize God's mercy and we are thankful for God's mercy then we of all people need to be desirous of living a life every day commensurate with those that have been mercy have been shown mercy we know what all God has forgiven us we should be thankful and merciful unto others